Because I was telling a lot of people, you have money, if you got dead money, what I call dead money sitting in the bank, actually what you're doing is going broke safely. Because a lot of people say, well, it's insured by the FDIC. <laughs> so? Welcome to the Wealth Generator Podcast. I'm your host, Dorian Carter. Today, we want to jump in on a new episode. And today we have Mr. Gary L. Smith with Swan Money. Hi, good morning, Dorian. What a great day and it is today. And I'm just so happy to be here and a guest of yours. So thank you so much for inviting me. So let's jump right in, Gary. And let's tell my audience more about what you do in your background in commercial real estate. I've spent the last 10 years my professional career in commercial real estate. I started back in 2011, had the opportunity to join a investment sales company. Many, probably many of the listeners may or may not have heard of them, but they're Marcus and Millichap. Marcus and Millichap is a commercial real estate investment entity that specializes in working with high net individual, high net worth individuals all across the country and assisting them in advisory services commercial real estate acquisitions and financing. And so for the past decade, I've helped or assisted high net worth investors in evaluating, financing, buying and selling commercial real estate. And more specifically speaking, I was able to carve out a niche for myself in a narrow sector of commercial real estate that is now known as net lease, or in other words, single tenant net lease real estate. And I won't get into a whole lot about it, but everybody, if you don't understand what single tenant net lease real estate is, you certainly recognize it when you're in your automobile and you're going down, driving down the street and you see a Starbucks or a, a, a Taco Bell or a Vance Auto Park property or a CVS or any of those properties. Those are what we know known as single tenant net lease. I get excited. Uh, one, because I had a, I have a retail background. So I learned early in my commercial real estate career about net lease. It's the most amazing thing, I think, in commercial real estate. And so it's awesome. But now we're dealing with a lot of changes that's going on in real estate. The state of the real estate market is changing. And that's because, uh, as many experts say, we're maybe uh, heading into a recession. We'll know. Uh, usually by the time it's announced in the news, everybody already knew anyway. Right. Uh, so we got some uh, rising interest rates. We got, you know, the market softening a little bit. You got inflation. What's your thought on the state of the real estate market right now? Well, you know, Dorian, that's a good question. From my position, the, the, the commercial real estate market is on, it's on fire, uh, really. There's so much activity going on in the market, and, and it has been for the past four or five years, if you will. Matter of fact, even since the 2008 financial crisis that happened, what you'll find in commercial real estate is the durability, as I see it. Um, many, we've gone through recessions and depressions and of course with the last two, 24 months we've had a pandemic but commercial real estate has withstood all that and so therefore and then the flip side of that is that there's been so much volatility in the stock market 
up and down, up and down. It's like a financial roller coaster. And so that volatility has driven capital away from that sort of situation into a more stabilized market such as commercial real estate. And so due to the safety and the certainty of income and, and returns, there's more money chasing real estate than there are deals out there. And so what we're finding now in, in, the, in the commercial real estate realm is that there's so many people that's going after these deals. You get you find five or six, sometimes eight offers on one property. And so that is what's driving cap rates down, which means and values higher because it's a supply, supply and demand market anyway. I mean, economics or the economy is based primarily on supply and demand. Lower the supply, higher the demand, higher the cost. Higher the supply, lower demand, then you see prices come down. So and what we're experiencing now, this is great time, a great time for commercial real estate. And so and the reason that there's so much money coming this way into commercial real estate is that, like I said, because of volatility in the stock market and the bond markets. So people are taking their money out of that and putting it into commercial real estate. Wow. Wow. So it definitely looks like a great opportunity to get into commercial real estate. And so, yeah, especially if I have cash. Oh, uh, yeah. If I don't, so the interest rates, you know, I do know most people do know that these interest rates are going up and we, we see it on the news, although we don't know how to take the news sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot is, is not true. A lot of is true. But for the, for the person that wants to jump in and maybe not have enough cash and they have to get something financed then those interest rates goes up. How does it affect those uh, individuals? And uh, what can we do to make sure we get in on this success? Well, as interest rates continue to go up, well, let me pause with this. History has shown us that during inflationary times, such as what we're having right now, commercial real estate booms because as interest rates increase and the cost of goods and services increase, so does the cost of housing, rents, and all that stuff increases as well. And so as rents increase, property values increase, and of course, that just makes a win-win situation for a commercial real estate investor. Lending institutions, they're happy because obviously they're raising the rates. And as they continue to raise rates, they make more money also. So when you see the Federal Reserve increasing rates and uh, the interest rates to the bank, well, the bank, all they're going to do is pass that on to the borrower. They're not going to pass it on to you, the depositor. Now, your money going to that bank and you're probably going to get that same half a percent or one percent, whatever the heck they're paying you. But they're going to take that money and loan it out to those who are buying real estate. And they're going to make a lot more money on your money and than you do. Now, you heard me say inflation is good for real estate it's interesting that what you and i like what you said here dorian that you know you have to when you listen to the news or you read these reports you have to take a lot of that with a grain of salt for instance inflation or the cpi is measured by the cost of goods and services everything except energy and food well heck 
what's the most salient challenge in today's consumer's mind as it relates to inflation? Gas prices and food. Yeah. So, if you, so if you take those two out and inflation is still at 9%, I mean, come on. So that, what that means is that for every dollar that you make, 9%, it's 9% less value than it was before. Yep. So we have to understand what inflation is, how it's measured, and how we can mitigate it. You cannot avoid it, but you certainly can mitigate it, especially mitigate its impact on your savings already. Well, I was telling a lot of people, you have money, if you got dead money, what I call dead money sitting in the bank, actually what you're doing is going broke safely because a lot of people say, well, it's insured by the FDIC. So you're not making any money on that money that's sitting in that mutual fund or whatever. So as inflation continues to go up, actually your money is going down as far as the value of it. What I found in investing, uh, having trained quite a few people, consulted with a, with a many folks as a concern investing in commercial real estate, that people really don't truly understand that IRS definition of active versus passive investing. Could you explain to my audience the, the area in which you work and the differences in active and passive investment? Because it does, it's very important for the layman person that want to understand investing and actually get in it, uh, especially from a real estate side. Okay, good question. Well, personally and professionally, I am 100% a passive investor. Passive meaning that you can make an investment today or buy a piece of real estate today. And it's number one, it's already cash flowing. Okay, that means that the tenant is already in it. They're paying rent. They have a history of paying rent. That is numero uno. It's got to be already generating cash. When I close a deal, I want a check not keys. I have no use for keys. Keys means you have a responsibility. Keys mean that you have to be actively involved. Keys mean that you got to go somewhere and open and close the door, either let somebody in or let somebody out. I want to have nothing to do with that. That's why I named my company Swan Money, sleep well at night. Okay. I don't want to get any of those calls from tenants from apartment properties. I don't want to get any calls from a part, uh, tenant in an office building. I want to get any calls from anybody. So passive income to me is that it's totally that. I make an investment today. I start getting paid regular monthly income the day that we close, not two, three, four, five years down the road. I'm talking about the day we close. I want to check. And that's a check that's going to be guaranteed. It's a check that is not going to be volatile based upon someone sneezing in the stock market and the market go down. It doesn't matter. That money is going to come every month like clockwork, whether I'm out at the beach on the golf course or just shopping with my wife. No matter what happens, that money's coming. And so that's passive income. It doesn't rely on me. It doesn't have, you know, I'm, I'm out of that picture. Now, compare that to active investing. An active investor is someone like a person that likes to flip houses you know you go in you buy a house and you say oh i'm a good person handyman or what have you handy woman you know and i enjoy knocking down walls and smelling dust and 
fixing it all up and I like seeing, you know, the before and after. Hey, if that's you, have at it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not knocking being an active real estate investor. Some people, particularly younger people, they really ascribe toward apartment properties. Because if you turn on the news, look in a newspaper, financial documents, whatever, everybody is talking about apartment property, want to buy an apartment building because they see the rents are going up and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That looks good, but that's a job. I look at buying apartment properties like I look at buying a franchise. Yeah, you have an asset. Maybe you have a 100-unit building, but not all 100 of those tenants, number one, pay the rent on time. Okay, that's a big problem for me. All right, uh, I want all my money on the first. I don't want some of it on the first, a little bit more on the sixth, some more of it on the tenth. Now you got somebody late feeding a little bit more on the twenty eighth, and by the end of the month, have you collected all your rent or not? More importantly, the last pandemic should have shown apartment property owners, unless you're in the high end. And a lot of times what you see in the news and stuff, they're talking about the high-end apartment property, the luxury apartment properties, where that, yeah, you can charge $3,000 a month for a one-bedroom apartment, but that means nothing to a person that's making forty-five. I mean, $7,500 a month. Mm -hmm. But if you're in a, in a Class C apartments, which most people would be in this Class C apartment somewhere in their neighborhoods or whatever, you're not going to get that type of money, number one. And number two, you're not going to be able to raise your rents as quickly, as often, or as high as a luxury apartment renter because your renters are blue collar at most. Some of them may have some office jobs, but for the most part, the majority of them are not making 7,500 bucks a month. So it puts, you know, as a small investor, if, especially if you want to be involved in a passive income such as apartment properties, and don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking apartment properties because if that's your game, Hey, play the game. But there's a better way of investing in commercial real estate. And I like the part of just being passive. That's powerful. One, because I think, well, I, I know for a fact, the people that get ignored is those people. And of course, in this pandemic, people have rushed out, rushed out to quit their jobs and start, start their own business. But for those people that have done well in their, their careers, those professionals or even blue collars that's making six figures a year, they may not want to leave their company and go out and be active. And they're seeking ways to have more passive income. What are some of your thoughts around how commercial real estate and investing passively some ways that they can do that that will allow them to achieve their goals of having passive income and then be able to do some things like travel, set up a bigger retirement, get better returns than their 401ks. What does those things look like? Well, Jordan, as you and I both know, there are a lot of ways of making money in commercial real estate. My company is, uh, we we as we look at this whole dynamics of investing period and primarily in commercial real estate, Einstein, Albert Einstein has been given credit for making this quote. Those who understand interest earn it. Those who do not pay it. And when you look at the compounded effect of interest, 
the game is, you know, I, I, business is just a game. Money is how you keep the score. That's always been my philosophy yeah. about it. And so what we've done is that we're evolving into looking at this uh, ways of being a passive investor in real estate by reducing even more risk and making it even more safe. And by that, I'm talking about taking the same position or same mindset as the lenders or the banks. So when you look at it from that that perspective, from a lender's perspective, it just makes more sense. And so for that person that's still working, you got dead money, as I call it. You got some dead money sitting around. Dead money could be in a CD, saving account, money market account, annuity, what have you. But it's not moving. And the reason that money is given in terms of cash flow, currency, is because it's intended to move. It's intended to make money on that money. And so if you're not making interest on the money that, that you have available to you, then here's a way of looking at things differently, being able to get into commercial real estate by using that money, loaning it out to people who want to buy commercial real estate to make more money. And wow. due to, yes, yes. Wow, that's, now that's, uh, that's something you don't hear a lot about, especially on, on the a commercial end. So, but that is, that, that is uh, very powerful. But we do hear people uh, talk about, I've heard folks talk about notes and those types of things. Is it a similar, is it similar to a note? Because, you know, sometimes we don't quite understand. We're like, lender, I can be a lender. So tell, tell me a little bit more about. Okay. Well, see, notes are primarily the securitize or the securitization or security of the loan that you're lending out. There's three things that protect a lender's capital. Number one is that real estate. The real estate is the collateral. It's no different than those who own a home. If you own a home, you sign these three documents. You sign a promissory note promising to make payments back to the bank at a specific time, at a specific interest rate, and a specific monthly payment every month. And you also sign a document that says that if you don't make the payments, if you don't pay the interest, and you don't keep the property up, there's a thing called foreclosure, which means that that lender has the right to come back and take that home and sell it and get all their money out, plus all the fees and things of that nature. Well, the same thing holds true if you decide to be a financial partner with us and do the same thing. Number one, safety of principle, safety of capital. That's always paramount. Number one, if you ever played the game of Monopoly, I'm going to ask this rhetorical question, who always win? The banker. Bank. Exactly. They always win. Now, sure, some of the investors or the players, every now and then they'll win, but in order for one of them to win, somebody else has to lose. Well, that's a, a, a zero-sum game right there. It makes you playing against each other. And that's the way this economic system is designed. Most of us don't know about private lending because people don't talk about it. Why? Because it's private. Yeah. You don't have to deal with the same hoops and hurdles and stuff that the traditional lender gives you. So what happens is that you're able to have your securitized investment with the real estate, just like it is if you were to buy it without the headaches and being you know, involved in it. You got guaranteed monthly income coming in called interest payments until the time that the loan is paid off. But more importantly, you're only in the deal for anywhere from 90 to a maximum of 180 days. 
six months. Wow, that's huge. That's uh sound like something that's been going on all along, but only some people have been privy to it. So absolutely. You know, you people some people in the real estate market, they've heard of hard money lenders. We're not hard money lenders. They call it hard money because there's a hard asset real estate that's security, securitizing those loans. Many hard money real estate investors or lenders, they'll loan on us just about anything, equipment financing or the fix and flip in, uh, houses of residential. We don't do that. We're strictly commercial real estate, strictly. Number one, we've even narrowed that down to strictly commercial real estate that is single tenant net lease. So that now we know, and I understand single tenant net lease properties in and out. I've done it for over 10 years. So I know that property sector there. But here's more importantly, here's the catch to this. You as a lender, we determine the interest rate. What I mean by that, we act, there's people, investors don't care about how much the money costs. What they are more concerned about is having access to the money. Because now many investors are losing out on being able to buy uh, real estate because they don't have all cash. They have to go get a loan. If they have to go get a loan first, then it's going to take that bank or that finance or that credit union anywhere from four to possibly eight weeks to make a decision. Well, during that time, you have lost opportunity to yeah. somebody else who can buy the deal all cash. Yeah. So when you look at it from that perspective, what we're doing now is we're positioning people who want to become financial partners with us that, hey, you can still get in this game, still own a, a Chick-fil-A, still own a CVS or a Taco Bell or Vance Auto Property or Dollar Tree, still have the same opportunities to own those passive real estate investments that the very wealthy have always had access to. It's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time and beautiful uh, season for this game, for this thing called commercial real estate. So I want to switch over into another area that I don't hear a lot of people talk about. People are always talking about the returns and, and building wealth and, and all of that in commercial real estate. But let's, let's talk about, and in real estate in general, but let's talk about the tax benefits to it because that's something I, you know, talk to a lot of people about, I'm always interested in it because I, I want to limit it just like most people. I want to limit the amount of taxes that I pay out. So tell us, you know, some things around commercial real estate that allows it to be uh, a great tax benefit as well. That's one of the other reasons of owning, I won't say buying, I say the reasons of owning commercial real estate. The only reason you buy commercial real estate is for the cash flow. You don't buy commercial real estate because you're going to get a tax deduction or it's going to have appreciation and you know it's going to be worth more five years down the road. Those are certainly ancillary benefits of having commercial real estate, but it's not the reason that you buy it. But the beauty of commercial real estate is that you have the tax code are, is written in favor of those who own, control, and manage commercial real estate such as that when you look at the tax code for the wealthy, it's only three tiers. The maximum is 20%. The middle is 15%, and the other one is zero. It's how the wealthy, and we cry, oh, you know, you look, I use Donald Trump as an example. Okay? He hasn't paid, 
he paid less taxes than General Motors, or you had you say have a General Electric has paid more ta less taxes than the nurse that works at the local hospital, and yeah, that's probably true, and yeah, and it seems unfair, and all those other things. But that's the rules of the game, so you can't hate the game, hate the player, hate the game. And so with commercial real estate, the tax benefits are tremendous. Number one, that's why people sell their properties and go into a right into another property. It's called 1031 exchange. They don't have to pay any taxes on that capital gain. Quick example, say you buy 500, let's say you buy a million dollar property, probably worth a million dollars. Okay. And your cost basis, or you invested only $500,000 in it. But so now you got a spread of half a million dollars. Let's say that was the cost of appreciation or a gain. Now, if you didn't take that whole $500,000 and invest it into another property or that whole million dollars, I should say, you're going to be taxed on that $500,000 gain. And at 20%, that's $100,000 that you just sent into the government. Well, instead of doing that, you can take that whole money after selling that property and buy you a bigger one that's making even more money and pay zero taxes. And that's how the wealthy keep continue to get wealthy. But if you don't know that type of thing exists, if you don't know that, or you've been kept out of the game because there's high barriers to entry into commercial real estate. Dorian, you being a broker, you know full well that there's not a whole lot of commercial real estate brokers that look like us that's in this business. Absolutely. And there's a reason for that. The commercial industry, commercial real estate industry is owned, managed, and controlled by wealthy white men, period. This is not, a, you know, it's not about race, it's about green, but I'm just saying that the facts are what the facts are. And that's by design. It's by design, sure. because that's where true wealth is built. Well, you can't work your way to wealth, okay? I hear a lot of people talking about they're grinding on a grind. Grinding is a negative word, so you should stop using that. But anytime you grind something, you're grinding it down. You're making it less than what it used to be. Ooh. You see people who have grinded all their lives, and you can see it in the, how they walk. They walk slower. They talk yeah. slower. They move because they've been grinding all their life. And so they ground down to almost sawdust. Yeah. Stop grinding. Stop it today. Stop using that terminology. Stop grinding. Get off the grind. And get in your mind because it's think and grow rich, not work and grow rich. Absolutely. You know, another topic there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome because I, I know I've used that in the past. And yeah. and guess what? Not only did I use it, I was that. Yeah. Which yeah. once I learned and got some real <laughs> some some real knowledge, I knew that wasn't gonna work forever. And so much smarter now. Talk about, and this is one I want to, this is, we are the Wealth Generator Podcast, so we talk about wealth building. Talk about how important uh, wealth building is for our legacy and building true wealth throughout generations, but for uh, each individual as a family, because this is, a, this is why I have the show, you know, I have these things because it leads to that, but uh, talk a little bit more about that since you've been in the, the real estate business for quite some time, almost as as long as I've been on this earth. So I know you don't look like it. you. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely don't look like it. 
But all of that knowledge is important. So talk a little bit about wealth and wealth building. Okay. Hey, man, I, I appreciate that, uh, Dorian, the compliment and everything. That's true. I, you know, I started with my bio. I'm talking about the last 10 years, but actually I've, I've been in real estate for over 40 years. And the Lord has blessed me to be 71 years old now. And so I've been through the, the recessions and the setbacks and the high interest rates. As a matter of fact, back in 1979, interest rates were as high as 19%. Okay. Wow. 19%. And we're crying about because the interest rates are at six. <laughs> <laughs> and deals were still getting done. Private people were still loaning money. They were probably making 20, 25% return on that money back then. Can you imagine? All right. And so from a wealth building part, we have got to get to the point where we're not being such consumers. Buy real estate, buy it for the long term. You know, fixing and flipping is fine, but it's no different than buying a stock. It goes up, you cash in on a stock. Now you got to pay that high capital gains, which puts you over in this other tax bracket of where there's seven levels versus three. And so most people who go to work every day right now, they're in that 30% tax bracket. So what does that mean? That out of every dollar that you go out and earn, 30% is going to the government before you even get your check. Don't take my word for it. Just go pull out your check stub right now. You'll see that federal taxes, 30% or more. All right. And if you live in a tax-free state, okay, you may not take out tax, state tax, but they got state and city taxes on and on and on. And then the other siphon is uh, FICA, which is all, a short term for Social Security. So you're paying into the Social Security tax system. Well, that's a 15.3% tax. So when you add 15 to 30, that's 45% out of every dollar that you go out and earn comes out of your money. So now you're left with 55. And for most people, most consumers, what they're doing is that they, they're, they're borrowing money to buy trinkets and trash. Uh, trinkets and trash, I include, I include luxury cars as trinkets and trash also. So you're paying interest on your credit cards. You're paying interest on a car note. And surely you're paying interest on that house note. So up to so almost 35, 30 to 35% of your money also goes toward interest. So when you add that 30 or 35% to that 45 that's going to the government, now you're down to maybe, what, 20, 25% yeah, of yeah. every dollar? So what that means is that every day you go to work, you're yeah, working yeah. for those two people. Yeah, and then the 10% that go to the church, if you're a believer. So <laughs> yeah. if you're a believer, you tithe it, so that yeah. means you're five and 10%. Yeah. You still got to put on some clothes, go get some gas. See, that don't count yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and people don't want to see those numbers, but what you called out is real numbers. Since I've learned that from you, I just want to make sure we get that on recording for people that see this, that it's, that's real impact. Don't hide away from the what the real world is. And you really got to find an opportunity to have passive income. And so, Gary, I, I appreciate you being on the, on the show. The elder statesman, a mentor of mine. But I know we'll always get the real from you, just how it is and how it is now. You don't look back into anything other than history. You're 
forward looking, forward thinking. So tell the audience uh, more about how they can get a hold of you. And so retired, uh, got two other uh, financial partners. We we're kind of pretty much like family. We've grown up uh, in business, if you will, over the years. Uh, these other two gentlemen that joined me on it are retired executives from their respective fields. And it's called the Crotchety Old Men Podcast. I love <laughs> it. Crotchety man. Old Men because typically when you think of crotchety old men, you think about grouchiness or whatever. But well, we are grouchy and grumpy. We're grouchy and grumpy about the state of the economy, the state of affairs as it affects black people. I'm not going to hold back on this. Okay. It's all about empowerment, education. And yeah, we have a little entertainment in there. You know, we'll tell a joke or two, but you know, black people have been entertained for, for ages, but we haven't been financially educated. And yeah, so yeah. the purpose of our podcast is to spew knowledge, share wisdom and share opportunities and understanding that all of us collectively, the three of us, uh, like I said, I'm 71. I think the other guy is 67, and the other one's 66, somewhere thereabouts. So together, we have over 150 years of wisdom, wow. knowledge, and understanding about investing. We've invested together. We've made and lost money together. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you know it's all been rosy. I've never lost any money. Sure, I've lost money. Okay, but that's how I know how not to lose money in the future. Yeah, having yeah. lost money in the past. <laughs> For sure. So, so what you get from me? is over 40 years of all the books since I've read, all the seminars I've attended, all the conferences I've gone to, and all the networking events I've gleaned from other sharp minds to what you see today. And I continue to do that. So you have to continue to educate yourself, all right? Educate, the best investment anybody can make is an investment in themselves, the investment between the four inches between your ears. This is the first real estate investment you should make. Invest in learning more about making money. Invest in time and energy and more about how you build wealth. So on the Crotchety Old Men podcast, that's what we talk about. Everything from crypto to you name it. I'm not a fan of it, but hey, there are some people out here that's making a lot of money doing it. And if that's so, there's people on that podcast. We have guests that come in that are experts in whatever field they're in. And so you get it straight from the horse's mouth. Well, we'll definitely uh, look, look, we'll catch that. Uh, what platforms is it on? Uh, it's on iHeart, uh, YouTube, it's on uh, uh, I, uh, uh, I think it's Apple, uh, Spotify, um, Instagram, most any of your podcast uh, platforms, you can find it. Typically, I believe an episode comes out once a week on Thursday, somewhere thereabout, and uh, grab it. I mean, we talk about everything from alternative careers. This is a whole nother segment, man, that, you know, we send our kids to college and many of us are putting that bill and they kid and our kids come out of college uh, with student loan debt, you know, and no, no possibility or chance for a job that's even going to pay enough for them to even pay the student loan. And wow. so our children are saddled with debt because we don't own enough businesses. We can't even hire them ourselves because we work with somebody else. So at best you can do is put in a good word, if you will. Hey, will you hire my child and all that kind of stuff. And it puts us in a subservient position from the beginning. All right. And so now we continue to pass that on to our children's children, children. And we have to stop that. What we got to do now is start looking at wealth building principles. If you're in a retirement age right now, then whatever you're doing today should be for those that's following coming behind you tomorrow. You know, so 
you know, what I'm sharing with my kids and stuff like that is number one, ensure your insurability. What I mean by that, real quick, now I don't want to take up much more of your time here today, but ensure your insurability. Get some life insurance early and make sure you put it on your kids early for two reasons. Number one, as we know in our society, in our world today, things are happening so rapidly and stuff that you can lose your insurability just like that. Whether it's an accident, I mean, I find more and more young people having type 2 diabetes and having all type of ailments and stuff yeah. like that, which will make you uninsurable later on in life. Yeah. But if you get it now, not only can you get a lot of it, but it's a perfect way to start building your own next neck, <laughs> nest egg in yep. accumulating money. And you can use the accumulation of that money in that life insurance policy, taking a loan out, and then loaning it out to somebody else and making more money on that money. And that's a, that's another subject. That's another, and that's another episode we have coming up. Absolutely. But, uh, well, thanks, folks. This is another episode of the Wealth Generator Podcast. Thanks for hanging with us today and listening to all the great knowledge coming from Mr. Gary Smith. You can reach me on my website, at doriancarter.com where I teach and you can learn more about my course in commercial real estate investing and commercial real estate development and also you can find that at workwithdorian.com so thanks folks we look forward to seeing you on the next uh, broadcast of the Wealth Generator podcast have a great day I forgot to add my website is www.swanmoney.com. Feel free to go there and find a wealth of information on what we just talked about today.